You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Well, good morning and welcome to The Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor And it's so good to have you guys with us today. If it's your first time here, we're just so honored for you to be here with us. We hope you felt at home today. We hope somebody made you feel seen and wanted and welcomed in this place today. If you're watching online, we're so honored to have you with us as well. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing this morning. I got a big announcement to share with you guys. I'm so excited. Um, And so let me just, oh man, I'm so excited. Okay, listen. One year ago this week, one year ago this week, uh, the world fell apart. Do you guys remember that? It was wild. We were like, okay, 15 days, we're going to have to quarantine. Oh, man, that sounds really hard. And one year later, we're all just starting to like crawl out of our houses a little bit and be like, is it still, does the sun still shine out there? You know, it's, it's, it's bizarre to think back on all that's changed over the last year and how quickly it changed. One of those things was that at the time, our church was meeting at a T.C. Robertson High School just up the road. It's this incredible facility with a beautiful auditorium. It's just a lot easier to make an auditorium feel like an auditorium than a basketball court feel like an auditorium. And, and we had all this kid space and room to grow and grow and grow, and we just loved it there. And we, we weren't allowed to meet in that facility anymore because of all the restrictions being placed on schools. Well, this past Wednesday, the school board had a vote to return Buncombe County Schools uh, to full classroom instruction. And 30 minutes later, because uh, the assistant principal at that school, Principal Ryan Klinger, has been fighting for us regularly for the last year. 30 minutes later, he was talking to the superintendent of this district and got permission for the gathering church to return home to T.C. Robertson High School. And so we went there, I'm telling you, we, we went and met with them and, and talked through what it looks like and worked through. I mean, it is still the middle of a pan. We're still at the hopefully end season of the pandemic. And so there's going to be changes and, and uh, all the protocols we have here we'll have there as well. So we were talking through what all that looks like at the school. And we're like, how soon can we figure this out? So Easter Sunday, April 4th, the gathering. Church will be back at T.C. Robertson High School in two Sundays, in two Sundays. In order to create space for Easter, Easter tends to draw a crowd, and so we are going to be hosting three services just for Easter Sunday. So try to keep up because the times are going to change twice in the next four weeks. We're going to have a 9 a.m., a 10.30 a.m., and a 12 p.m. service on Easter Sunday. We're going to have this week the opportunity for you to register for which service you want to go to so we can make that plan well to make sure we have adequate spacing for everybody. The following week, we'll be returning to where we were on Sundays one year ago, 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service at T.C. Robertson High School. I am so excited, you guys. I am so, I've been giddy all week. I don't know. I feel like um, I, I'm, 
I just, I feel like it's like we get to go home. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. And so I can't wait to worship at TC with you in a couple weeks, uh, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. or 12 for, su- for Easter Sunday. Start making your plans. Honestly, get your Easter duds out. Can we bring back getting a new fresh outfit for Easter Sunday? Get that Easter dress. I'm going to get a, I might come up in a seersucker suit. I'm going to be so excited. I don't know. I might tie a bow tie. We'll see, but I'm excited about Easter Sunday at T.C. Robertson High School. Well, today, I'm going to lead that excitement right into the message because we're starting a brand new series called More Than Me, More Than Me. Here's the idea. We live in a culture that is fixated on me, myself, and I. We process everything through the lens of me. We process happiness, purpose, meaning through the lens of me. We process others through the lens of me. What can they do for me? What value do they add to me? How do they make me feel? What do they mean to me? That we process our faith through a lens of me. Does this make sense to me? What, do I, what, what, what belief best benefits me? What can God do for me? What does the church do for me? How does this all help me? But what if from the very beginning it was supposed to be about more than me? What if the happiness and the peace and the hope that we seek we only find when we make our lives about more than me? And what happens when I become more than me and allow God to begin to really use me the way that he intended to? So that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. We'll look at three different people in the Bible who learned to see what was possible when they became concerned with more than themselves. And today we're going to begin by looking at the story of Abraham. Abraham and the promise that God gave to him. Uh, The Bible is the story of God's relationship with man and his pursuit of us. And it begins in the garden when God put us in this place in Eden where we could be in perfect, unified relationship with him. But it only takes a chapter or two for everything to begin to fall apart. Sin comes in and with it, separation. From there, the distance between God and man gets greater and greater and greater until Genesis chapter 15. And in Genesis chapter 15, we carry on this story about a man named Abram, who God would later change his name to Abraham. And through him, God would establish a relationship with humanity that would last forever. Let's start in here in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Elizur of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Okay, so we're going to notice that Abram's heart's desire is one thing. 
And he doesn't think he's ever going to be able to get that thing. And he's a little bit bitter about it. We meet Abram when he's in his 80s. He's an older man. And he's thinking to himself, I'm in my 80s. My wife is. There's no way there's going to be a child in line for us. That season is gone. That thing that we want more than anything else, we will never get. And he's mad at God about it. You didn't give me the only desire of my heart, God. And so how are you going to be my very great reward when the only thing that I want for me, I didn't get? He wants a son, a child, an heir to his estate. Abraham was very wealthy by the standards of the world that he lived in. And he's thinking, I spent my whole life building all this wealth, and it's just going to go to someone who doesn't even carry my name in the end. What's the point of everything? I won't even be remembered. Look what God says. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if even you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Look at this and don't miss it. Abraham, Abram has a dream in his heart and it's about him. It's about what he wants for himself. He, he has a desire in his life to have a child so that he would be remembered, so that what he has built would carry on. He's older and he doesn't have it yet, and so he's mad at God. He wants God to want for him what he wants for himself. Don't you think that that's a little bit about how we live our lives? We want God to want for us what we want for us. We want the things that we want, and we want God to line up with that. But God says, I've got a bigger dream for you, Abraham. Not just a son, but descendants that are going to outnumber the stars in the sky. And God would keep adding to this promise as the story would go on. He promises the land that Abraham is in, which would become Israel. He, he promises that they would bless all the nations of the world. Abraham asks for a descendant. God says, I'm going to use you to change the world. I think we can relate to Abraham this morning. I think we think in a lot of the same ways that Abraham was thinking that Abram was thinking in that moment. And so uh, what God sees and what he wants for us is often different than what we see and what we want for us. Because we always see the moment. We see the moment. I'm going to tell you something that might surprise you. I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars so much, and I've loved Star Wars for so long, and I've devoted so much of my life to Star Wars that I can confidently tell you that since I began studying Star Wars at least 10 years before I became a Christian, I have confidently studied Star Wars as much as or more than I have studied the Bible at this point in my life. I hope that changes. But I just devote a lot of my attention and my time and my thoughts to Star Wars. I have imparted this love, some would call it an obsession, onto my children. I have two daughters, Dagny June, who's three years old, and Eleanor Rose, she's six. And Dagny June is obsessed with Baby Yoda. She's got four Baby Yodas of different shapes and sizes, and it's not enough for her. She wants more Baby Yodas. Every time we see a Baby Yoda, she's got to have this Baby Yoda. She's seen every episode of the 
the Mandalorian, and she is here for it. She is ready to watch Luke Skywalker come and claim the child. Spoiler alert, I'm sorry it's been long enough. You should have watched it. And so the, the, the Mandalorian is her thing. Eleanor loves the movies. I mean, she's in. She's seen all nine movies. She's almost six years old. I feel that I'm doing a good job at parenting. And she's obsessed. She, her favorite book is a Star Wars story book. And before bed every night, she wants to read a Star Wars story book. I'm, she's back and forth. She doesn't know. She loves Princess Amidala more, Princess Leia more. She loves Rey. She wants to be a Jedi when she grows up. I encourage that. I'm like, yes, that's a great career path, you know. Defend the galaxy. I'm here for it. And so my daughter Eleanor has been saving up her money for a year to go to Galaxy's Edge in Disney World. That, If you don't know, that's the, the Star Wars land in Disney World and build a droid. They have this whole experience there where you can go into like a droid factory. It looks like the real thing. There's all kinds of cool Star Wars things there and you get to pick out the color and the type of droid and you build it yourself and then the droid, Disney's all about creating magical moments and that's what they do here and it, the droid, come, you get to bring it to life and it, learn, it, it gets a little personality. It's just, it's this whole big thing, and she's been excited about it for a year, preparing for when we go later in this year. Well, I went, in, and I'm tell, I told you already I'm obsessed with Star Wars, and so just stop judging, but I went back in January with just me and a friend, because, you know, you, you need to be in Star Wars land as an adult, too, without, you know, like, it's, it's great to be there with the kids, but I was like, I need to be able to, like, I just need about 18 hours where I can just sit there and just be in Star Wars. That's all I want. So I was going in January, and Eleanor brings me her piggy bank with her money in it and says, Daddy, I want you to build a droid for me because I want it now. I just looked at her and I said, Eleanor, you have, you have, yes, I will do that. I will build, because, you know, I kind of wanted to build a droid myself, you know, and I was like, this sounds great. Otherwise, I'm going to have to help her, and this would be fun to build one. But then I stopped her and I said, no, hon, I'm not going to build one for you. I want you to build one yourself because you have no idea what kind of magic you would be missing out on if you were trading it to do something right now in this moment. I know you've never experienced it, so you don't know what you're giving up, but what I have in store for you is far better than just a droid. There's more to it. Don't sacrifice the magic that's in your future for the gratification of having something right now. But don't we do this all the time? Aren't we just like my five-year-old daughter? We see just the moment. We see the thing that we want. We, we think that it's smaller than it actually is. We think it's about one thing, but God says, no, it's not about one thing. It's about a big thing. You want what we want right now, but God says, I can see what you can't, and I know that in the long run, what I want for you is better than what you want for you. So Abraham wants what he wants in the moment. And he takes this promise that God gave him and he warps it. Instead of waiting for God's timing to give him a legitimate heir to his wife Sarah, he follows a custom of the people in the land that he was living in and he gets Sarah's handmaid pregnant in her place. This is not God's dream for him, but it's Abraham's dream for him. And it's not in some distant future, it's not unknown, it's now and Abraham can control it. Abraham couldn't wait to see how God's plan was going to play out or when it would play out. 
So he tried to take it into his own hands, and it caused him all kinds of trouble. Generational issues would come from this decision to take his purpose, his meanings, his dream into his own hands. And we do the same thing. We have all these dreams and these desires, and we get a little bit bitter when God hasn't provided them yet, so we work to make them happen. But what if it hasn't happened yet because it was meant to be more than just a moment? What if what God has prepared for us is so much bigger than what we have planned for ourselves? He can see it. He knows. We only see the thing that we want, but God sees a bigger dream. We only see the moment. We also see ourselves. We, God sees something else. We just see ourselves. What is my purpose? This question boils up from inside of us from the time that we're children, and it grows and it grows, and we search and search, and no matter what, we always come up empty in the asking, what is my purpose? I love to watch celebrity documentaries. I don't know why. I don't like reality TV, but I do like the 60 Minutes or, or like a Netflix special, 60 Minutes on Tom Brady, Netflix special on, on uh, Taylor Swift, Britney Spears, Justin Bieber. I'm here for it. What Zach Efron had a documentary series. I watched the whole thing. Most recently, it was Tiger Woods. I love Tiger Woods. I grew up on Tiger Woods. I grew up playing Tiger Woods 99 on the computer. You know, I mean, I'm, I loved this documentary. Here's what I've noticed about every single one of these celebrity documentaries. They've all got one thing in common. In each of them, the filmmaker highlights the celebrity's need for more than what they currently have. The one of the things that drives them to keep going and keep pushing and keep pushing the limits is this need to have more than what they've already achieved. Tiger is a great documentary about one of the great greatest athletes that's ever lived. For 11 years, he was the greatest golfer to ever play the game. Maybe nobody will ever come close. But he got to that place because he sacrificed everything to get there, his body, his mind, and his heart. At the end of the day, it left him so empty inside that he lost everything to addiction and sin. They asked him one time, one point after he had won one of his majors how he felt, and he said, it's not enough, i got to keep going. When we imagine our purpose, we just see ourselves, and we think it's about me. What would make me happy? What would fulfill me? What do I need for me? Traveling the world, chasing my dreams, doing things that make me feel relaxed. This will fulfill me, gaining prominence and position for myself, building wealth for myself. These things will fulfill me. And after the year we've had, a lot of us reflected on our lives and we've decided to do more for me. What if the happiness and the fulfillment that we are after is about more than me? Abram saw his family and what his promise meant for him. I want to have descendants. I want my name to be great. I want to be remembered when I'm gone. But God looked at him and he saw what he would do for the world through Jesus Christ. It is so much bigger than ourselves. But that's all we can see sometimes. And maybe we see something good. We, we look at what we want. We look at our desires, our dreams, our future. And we see something that is good. Abram wanted something good. He wanted a family. He wanted grandchildren. He wanted to, somebody to remember him when he died. But God didn't just want good for him. He wanted something great. 
Abram said, I've got no heir. And God said, I will give you more than an heir. I will make you into a great nation. Because that is who God is. This is a good study in the character of God. God sees the good that you want, but He has something great in mind for you. Maybe you want something good for your life, for your life. But maybe God wants your life to be something great for others. Abram's promise wasn't just about Abraham. It was about you. It was about me. It was about all of us. It was the beginning of the greatest story ever told, but Abraham saw it as the beginning of his story. God's purpose for your life is not just about you. It's about others. It's about the way God would use you to impact the world around you, the people who need you. And it's better than anything you could have dreamed up all on your own. Learning to shift from thinking this way to beginning to understand the way that God thinks is a big struggle because the moment sin entered our lives in the garden, we broke a little bit. We broke a lot. And we began to see this worldview of me. And it's, it's all throughout the Bible. If you study the Old Testament, you'll see over and over again decisions and mistakes being made because those making them were looking at the world through the lens of me. We see it happen in the followers of Jesus. We see in the epistles, Paul writes to the churches who are making these same mistakes. It is in our nature that we constantly have to fight against this. But because of what God did through Abraham and through Jesus, we have access to something that makes us more than me, that allows us to see the world as more than me. And so let's begin to understand exactly what that is and how God designed us by thinking about how He sees the world. You see, God sees the whole story. We see the moment God sees the story. The moment God spoke this promise to Abraham, he had a bigger story in mind. Years later, God would test Abraham to see if he was going to be faithful. And when Abraham passed that test, God reiterated his promise, but he also added to it. In Genesis 22, verse 17 and 18, he says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. It's a repeat of the same exact blessing God gave to Abraham decades earlier. Look at the stars in the sky and try to count them. So great will your, your descendants be. And the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. He repeats the promise that he would have this land. And then verse 18 says, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All the nations on the earth would be blessed. Abraham is thinking about his descendants, his nation, the people he would create. And God says, I see more than that. I want to use you to change the world, Abraham. Abraham, it's not just about you. It's not just about your descendants. Abraham's descendants were amazing. He, his grandson fathered the 12 tribes of Israel. If you don't know the history of, of Israel and the Old Testament of the Bible, the 12 tribes of Israel would go through and accomplish incredible things. God would reveal himself to humanity through these people, through the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And we get that story through the scriptures where they would rebel and struggle and be disobedient and then God would be just and gracious and compassionate and constantly offer them opportunities for redemption and relationship. He would send his presence to them. He would dwell in the temple that he would teach them to build. And after this constant cycle of redemption and sin, he would send Jesus to make a way not only for the descendants of Abraham to come into a relationship with God once and for all, but for all of us to do the same. God could see the whole story the day that he made that promise to Abram in Genesis 15. Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise God made thousands of years ago to Abram extends to me. I wonder what promises God has for your life and you're not seeing their potential because you're fixated on the moment instead of on the whole story. I wonder what dreams he has for you that are so much bigger than any dreams you've ever had for yourself. I know it's hard to wait when you long for something new in your life, when you're looking for something and and you want to find it right now. But we only see a small piece of the picture. We see one moment, and God looks at the whole span of eternity and gets to see it all. And the dreams that he has for us and the way that he answers our prayers, the way that he provides these promises for us, the future that he has in mind for you is never in the context of the moment that you're living in. That makes it hard for us because we can only see one moment. But God sees the light of eternity and the decisions and and the plans and the promises and the purposes he has for you are in view of that. So trust in the one who made the stars. Trust that the one who is writing the story can see more of it than you can see. Don't let the moment rob you of being a part of the bigger story. God sees our potential. Not only our potential, God sees the potential. Because we see how something can benefit us. God sees our potential to benefit the world around us. He looks at us and sees all those that we're capable of reaching. He sees how big our impact can be. And we tend to think that our purpose is all about us. It's about ourselves. It's, it's the way that we'll be fulfilled, and so it obviously must be about me. It's a thing that makes me happy because it's a thing about me. That's why Tiger Woods destroyed his life in pursuit of being the greatest in the game because he thought that his purpose was for him, an achievement he would get. That's why all those celebrities are still certain. One of my favorite interviews of all time is this 60 Minutes interview between uh, the, the interviewer and Tom Brady. Tom Brady, the greatest football player of all time. After his second Super Bowl ring, the interviewer was asking him if he felt like he had made it, if he felt like he had reached the pinnacle. Surely you've got two rings, four more to go, four, five, six, seven, th- five more to go that you must feel like you've made it in this life. You must feel satisfied. And Tom Brady looks at the interviewer and he says, you know, I got this, this championship rings and I just kept thinking, gosh, 
There's got to be more than this. This can't be it. So many of us are going to pursue position and we're going to pursue money. We're going to pursue people and we're going to do it in such a way that we wrap our purpose and our identity around it and at some point we're going to reach a place where we think, goodness gracious, there must be more than this. This can't be all that there is because your purpose was, was never just meant to be about you. There's no amount of money you could have, no place you could live, no career you could have, no career you could change to that would give you greater happiness than living in the potential God created you to live in, to serve others. That's why we believe it's so important to be an active part of the local church. One of the things that we think is beautiful about the local church is its design. In the beginning, it was never designed to be about one man, one person. It's not about me. The church isn't me. I don't do the ministry of the church. My role is to shepherd and lead. Our role is to be the church. The church is supposed to be all of us using our gifts, our passions, our dreams together to reach the city as one body, the body of Christ. And we believe it's so important to be a part of the local church and even to take a position to, to enter, to go through growth track. We want you to, we talk about growth track, we say we want you to discover your purpose so you can make a difference. I don't think that your purpose is serving coffee. I think your purpose is serving people. And we want to find a way for you to do that that makes you excited to show up on a Sunday morning. That's what Growth Track is all about. We want to get you to Growth Track so that we can get you on the dream team so that together we can get a taste of what it is like to be a part of something bigger than me, to start to serve our city the way we were created. Outside the doors of our church are so many that are hopeless and hungry for meaning and purpose, who are in need of something that matters. And in this place, we have the answers. And when we work together, we can bring it out to them. But we aren't supposed to do Alone, I can make an impact. I can, I can change. I can, I can reach people. I can, by myself, I can get out there and do something good but together we can do something great. Together we can make a difference. Together there is more than me. We believe that it's about something bigger than ourselves. Abraham's descendants, just like Abraham thought this promise was about them, but the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 49, 6, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. This point in history, Israel is all over the world serving all kinds of different gods. And the prophet says it is just too small a thing to only go and bring them back. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. He prophesies here about Jesus coming. And I wonder what dreams that you have that God would look at and say, this is too small a thing for you. I wonder what things you've pursued in your life, what dreams you've started to build yourself around that are about you, that God would look at and say, this is too small a thing. I've got something much bigger in mind for you. I know that your heart is broken because you're not receiving what you're asking me for, but listen to me. What you're asking for is too small of a thing. I've got something bigger in mind, and it's going to blow your mind, and it's not going to just help you. It's going to impact so many other 
people around you. I think about this verse all the time when I'm frustrated because I've got dreams and I can't figure out how to get from where I am to where those dreams are. I think about this when I think that I've got a dream that's too big. I can't, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to, how am I going to make the impact that I feel God is calling me to make in this world? I don't know if, if I can, and I think about God leaning in and saying it's too small a thing. What you're asking me to help you do is too small a thing. I've got a bigger thing in mind for you. I've got a a dream in mind for you that is for everyone around you. It's going to change the world that you're living in. Maybe his dreams for you are so much bigger than you. I'm telling you every single day, you and I both walk past people who are feeling like this can't be it. There must be more. There has to be something better. There has to be something bigger. And God's dreams for you involve them. They're not just about you. They're about the people that he's going to reach through you. The lives that are going to change because of the way you allowed yourself to be used by him. Too small a thing. God sees the potential and God sees greatness. You may want something good. God wants something great for you. God sees greatness. He wants, you want something good for your life, but God wants something great for this world. And he wants to use your life to make that happen. I know that it's hard to hear all of this and then put it down into something to act on. So here's what I can leave you with. Have big enough faith to believe that God has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. Have a big enough, uh, have a desire to do the work when you don't think that you can. And have a big enough faith to go out and live those dreams that he has for you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able, I wonder if you've doubted that before. I have. To him who is able. Abram, the man that God would look at all of humanity and say, I'm going to use this one to enter the story. That's a big deal. But Abram, just like me and you, he had his flaws. Abram looked at God and he said, how are you going to bless me? You're telling me you're going to be a blessing to me? How are you going to bless me? I don't even have a son. It's the only thing that I want. And you're not able to change that. I'm in my 80s. I'm at the end of my life. There's nothing you can do to help me now to him who is able. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. At 99 years old, he had his son. I'm telling you, he is able. Whatever you think it is that you can't do, that you've been mad at God about, because you can't give me the thing that I want, God. I've asked and you didn't do it. Now to him who is able not just to do the thing that you want, the thing that you're asking for, the thing that you desire. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. 
A measure, not just a little bit more, more than you can even fathom, more than all we ask or imagine. He said, Abraham, not only am I going to give you a son, but I want you to look up at that sky. No light pollution back then, lots of stars. And he said, I want you to try to count them. You can't, Abraham, but I can because I placed them there. I know exactly how many stars are in that sky, and your descendants are going to outnumber them. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or could even imagine and according to his power that is at work within us. Here's what you know, need to know. The dreams he has for you are not for goodness, they're for greatness. The things he wants to do for you and through you are bigger than you. They're not going to bless you, they're going to bless scores of people. But you don't do it by yourself because it's not just a me going out there to do those things. I am more than me because the way that the story goes is through this promise that God would lay on Abraham's life. The 12 tribes would come, and one of those tribes was the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah would have a son who would become king named David. David was a good man and a man after God's heart, not a perfect man because none of us are, but he would build something, you know, and it would keep going, and this line would carry on and continue until one day one of his descendants, a man named Joseph, would receive a visit from an angel and the angel would say, your wife Mary is pregnant and the father is God and the one that's coming through her is going to receive, is going to change the world. The savior of the world is coming and you're going to raise that child and Jesus would go to the cross and take on himself everything that has ever separated God from us. He would take it on himself and he would go and be buried in the ground and then the one thing that separated us from God more than anything else and that is death would be defeated when he walked out of the grave. And because of that, just a few days later, the Spirit of God would no longer be held inside of a small place in a temple, but it would come down and it would be on every single person who believed that Jesus did what he said he did. And now the power of God, the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all that I ask or imagine, lives within me. I don't have to do any of this on my own. I don't have to have the faith on my own. I don't have to go and do the work on my own. I don't have to have the skills on my own. I don't have the confidence on my own. I get to be more than me. I get to go do more, immeasurably more than all that I ever ask or imagine by the power of God that is at work within me. I get to go and change this city because it is not about me, but it's about what God is going to do, and I'm going to be a part of it. And together, it's going to be about more than us. It's going to be about more than this moment. It's not about now, but it's about the way generations in this city are going to be transformed and changed by a group of people saying, God, I am ready to be more than me. So if you're here today and you haven't been on the dream team, I'm coming for you. I believe in the bottom of my heart that if we commit to doing this together, there is nothing God cannot do. Our hope for you is that through the dream team, you get a taste of what it's like to go outside of yourself, to be alongside somebody else, to serve in the church he created to change the world. And so growth track is your next step. If you've never been to growth track, that's your next step. I hope you come into a place like this and you're thinking about Maybe I need to take another step. 
For some of you today, maybe you're going to take your first step, your step into a relationship with Jesus, and we'll talk about that in a second. But maybe you took that step, and now you don't know what the next step is. The very next step is baptism, and in two weeks, we're going to be doing baptisms at T.C. Robertson High School. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going home, and we're going to celebrate by celebrating other people coming home. And so we got baptisms. That's your next step. That's step two. Step three is go to growth track. Go to growth track. Learn about who you are, what your role is, the way God made you to serve the church and to serve the city that we live in. And through, if, if you want to go to growth track, there's a few ways you can do it. On the um, chair in the connect card there, actually, I'm going to give you all that in a minute. But first, let me talk to those of you who are ready to take your first step, your first step. And you're in here today, and you're like these folks in the celebrity documentaries. You've been pursuing some sort of purpose all of your life, and it's never been enough. It's never been enough. It's never been enough. Let me tell you what is enough. See, Jesus Christ did it gave himself to make a way for you to be in relationship with him so that you would not have to do this on your own. And through him, you can have freedom from everything that is holding you back. And through him, you can have purpose like you never knew existed. And through him, you can make a difference that is bigger than anything you've ever asked or imagined. If you're ready to enter into that relationship, it just starts with a prayer and a promise. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, would you pray this with me today? Heavenly Father, I believe that you are who you say you are. Thank you for what you've done for me. Forgive me for every mistake I've made. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. I give myself to you today. All that I am from this day on, I lay at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand up with me today? This is the time to respond. And so if you were ready to go to Growth Track, pick up that Connect card. You can write Growth Track into the prayer request portion at the bottom and somebody will reach out and connect with you this week. Or you can get an online Connect card at 828-826-1414. You just text the word Connect to that number and we'll send you a Connect card and you can mark Growth Track on there. Or Easiest thing to do is go straight to the source. Get on our website, gatherashville.org slash growth track. And we will get you engaged and plugged in and taking your next steps. We can't wait for that. And so if you're here today and you need prayer or whatever it might be, you can do that through the Connect card as well. Number of ways to connect. If you just made a decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus, let us know on that Connect card so we can help you with your next steps. And uh, this is also the time where we worship through giving. Listen, if this is your home, be a part of what God is doing here. Come in and join us in this mission uh, that we are fixated on changing and transforming this city in the name of Jesus Christ. Partner with us in this way. And we believe that giving is worship. It's one of the ways we worship God. And so join us in worship. Let me pray for us as we close today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God. I thank you for the way that you looked at me and you saw something more than I would ever see for myself, God. I thank you for the story that you're writing. And I thank you for the way you've invited all of us to be a part of it. And so, Lord, today I just ask that you would lead us in our next step on this journey, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org, find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church, or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.